Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you very much. Today, we are recording episode 117. Before I, I introduce my guest, I want to introduce my book, which is the same title as this podcast. It's called A Gift from Adversity, and it's available on, on Amazon. A Gift from Adversity by Jui Love. Um, the subtitle of my book is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. After I published this book in 2020, I got a lot of messages from all over the place, and I felt very compelled to create a platform and space for people to be able to share their adversities and normalize the conversation but not only that, sharing the tools, how to combat these adversities and the gift that came from it, um, I thought it was important. So I'm very excited to have another guest for my podcast, A Gift from Adversity. So let's welcome Heather. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for coming in A Gift from Adversity tonight. Thank you so much for having me on, Jerry. I really appreciate you creating this platform to allow us to share what happened and how we overcame it. I think it's really important, and I thank you for that. Thank you very much. So, Heather, let's start with introducing your full name and mm -hmm. where you're coming in from tonight and if what you do, and then if you have any social media or anything that you want to promote. So I'm Heather Dunlop. I um, am in the United States in the Yellowstone, Wyoming area. So out here enjoying all that it has to offer. Um, what I've currently got going on is I actually just put out a book as well, and it just hit international bestseller. It's released Renew Revive. So I'm working on putting together a book tour for that. Um, and more recent that's happening is on October 2nd, I am hosting the Survivor to Thriver, Heal Beyond Abuse to Regain Control of Your Life. It's a summit with more than 25 women who help us help others transform out of living in sexual assault to create their thriving lives and create their businesses. So it's all women who are thriving now and are wonderful examples of what is possible. Because like you, I love to be able to inspire women to step into what they want to step into. So if anyone's interested in that, um, the website is SurvivorToThriversSummit.com and we'd be thrilled to have you come join us and come meet everybody. And they've all got amazing gifts they're giving away as well. And what is your social media handle that people oh. can follow? Yeah, so on Facebook, it's Heather.Dunlop. It's D-U-N-L-O-P 750. On Instagram, it's I Heather Dunlop. Great. And then say, mm -hmm. say the name of uh, your book again. What's the title of your book? Yeah. So my book is Release, Renew, Revive, Unshackle Secret Shame, Ditch Self-Sabotage, and Rise into Your Personal Power. It's on Amazon. Um, so anyone who wants it, it's as an ebook right now. And pretty soon it's going to be available in paperback as well. Well, thank you very much. So let's dive into our first question, which is mm -hmm. the adversity. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? Yeah. 
So when I was a child from age eight to 12, I was sexually molested, um, emotionally abused, intimidated for repeatedly. It was like any time that I excelled or did well, like say I, I did really well in school and got good grades, that's when it would happen. So, and it was also the intimidation that keep it quiet, don't tell anybody, because if you tell somebody, I'm gonna hurt them too. So to keep me quiet, there was that intimidation factor happening. And I really just, I, I got extremely quiet because before this, I was a happy, outgoing, loving kid with so many friends. And then I became so quiet that it was like, don't call on me. Don't call on me in the classroom. I know the answers, but please don't call on me because I've, if I'm in the spotlight, that's where I felt threatened. So that went on for four years of my childhood. And then throughout my teenage years, I was lashing out. I was so angry and it was just manifesting itself in all these terrible ways. There were, there were thoughts of suicide at times. There were dabbling in drugs, hanging out with the wrong people. And that went on into my early twenties until I finally was able to confront it and deal with it. Do you mind to share who are your perpetrators were, or you don't want to disclose? I don't talk about it because for me, the story isn't about him. I don't want to, like, for me, it's not, he's irrelevant. He's not a part of my life anymore. Um, it's, it was someone that was known to me. It was someone that was around frequently, um, which we hear all the time that it's the majority of the time that it happens is it's someone who's already in our life. And that's what the situation was for me. So let's talk about um, child sex abuse mm -hmm. uh, because it's very taboo in yep. especially a lot of different countries. So I think in America is darkness to light training mm -hmm. and then there are many nonprofit organizations and I know of some of the organization for instance local YMCA mm -hmm. having month of April as child sex abuse awareness month. Yep. So it's getting talked about and but this is 2023. Mm -hmm. But back then when you're growing up, do you recall some kind of education, movement and help or language? Yeah, for me, um, it was not talked about in school. It was not like it wasn't brought to the forefront. We didn't have social media, so we didn't have access to resources to look up anything. So, you know, it was a very different world back then um, before the Internet came to be. <laughs> and the the resources and tools, I just didn't find them at school. And because of the intimidation factor, I didn't even speak to friends. I didn't speak to teachers. I didn't tell a soul because there was so much intimidation and manipulation happening that it was like, it was the threat that it's going to be so much worse if you tell somebody, you know, and it wasn't even, I don't even recall thinking that, oh, I should go call the police or, or go report it or even talk to my teacher at school. Like it just wasn't a thought in my head at the mind because I, I became so disconnected from everything that I just withdrew completely into myself. And I people didn't know me, didn't know what was going on with me. If anyone was like, are you okay? Oh, sure, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, 
don't don't put the focus on me it was just like everything withdrew and i just totally went inside and and that's where everything stayed for many many years afterwards do you recall later on in your life telling somebody for the first time like counselor mm -hmm. or friends or yeah i told my family i told my family and i was actually in my 20s at that time so it had been many many years later um, the reaction was mixed. It was, we were wondering if it happened. Um, it was, oh, that's what was wrong with you from some other people. So it, it was, and then it was like, what can we do now? What do we do now? So, and that's really when I, I started my healing journey. But the first step of that for me was to tell my family. So just to share with you and then our audience, my book, A Gift from Adversity, really um, explained what had happened to me. Mm -hmm. But initially, uh, when I told um, my mom, she didn't believe me. Mm -hmm. So um, I tried to kill myself afterwards when I was 15. But I would say um, you mentioned about mixed feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, especially when we don't have much of education. First of all, child sex abuse is something that is very not talked about, especially back in 80s mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up in Japan. And I never heard of PTSD. I never heard of this. So disbelief, you made it up. Um, yep. People always say you're a liar or a traitor. So um, it's a lot of the gaslighting and the blame shifting, mm -hmm. although you are the victim. So I don't know about America. You mentioned about no internet, no education. So how did the mixed feeling, I mean, the people who disagreed with you, how did that make you feel? It, it, it made me question. It made me question everything because it's like, am I imagining this somehow? You know, because it was so emotional and there was so much turmoil at that point because there were even more and more memories flooding back now because it, I was opening up to it and more, more evidence continued to pour itself forward. And then when everybody looked at it, they said, well, you know, that's an upstanding person. That's a person who's, you know, kind of an authority type figure and stuff that couldn't be, they would never do that. There's so many people that like this person and respect this person and all like you're making it up. And it's like, am I, you begin to, I began to question myself to, you know, wonder, is this really something? No, this, no, no, because the, the memories are so vivid and clear to me that you become I felt like, you know, you hear about it now that the word re-traumatized or re-victimized, that when we speak up, people questioning us and saying, oh, well, why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you speak up at the time? Because I was in the middle of it at the time. I didn't know what I know now. You know, I didn't know what I knew years later when I, in my 20s, when I was nine years old and it was happening and I didn't have access to resources. You know, you're a kid. You can't overpower this individual who's a full-grown adult. So I learned to take it and pull my emotions inside and just withdraw and disconnect. 
So resources didn't even become a thing for me to even look at because this is someone who's respected. Heather, I want to share some story with you. I live mm -hmm. in a town called Foxborough, and then if you Google Bill Sheehan, mm -hmm. um, it was, he was a scoutmaster, and he was a swim coach. He was a middle school teacher, mm -hmm. town leader. Mm -hmm. About within 10 years ago, grown men came to select mom meeting and told that he was sexually abused when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to hash hash. Yep. Then someone tried to look into it and then post on Facebook. And so many victims came forward. Mm -hmm. Now this man molested thousands of boys. Mm -hmm. And then he moved to Florida, committed the same crime. He died uh, due to Alzheimer. So mm -hmm. justice was never served. Yep. But there was a ceremony of the house, a swim coach house that um, he built, architect, mm -hmm. that the horror was his office and boys' room were connected. Mm -hmm. So that's how he was sexually abusing a lot of ch children, especially boys. Yep. And I remember watching the video of the demolishing of the building. It was chaotic. It's even some people from Florida who are victims and then grown men came mm -hmm. and using axe and then trying to destroy this, this building, crying. Yep. So when the the lesson learned is especially people who are an authority figure, respected um in the community, and then as a child you're powerless because mm -hmm. you're a one. And this case was interesting because apparently nobody, just like you, I think he was brainwashing everybody. Don't tell anybody what happened. So um, I think um, obviously, you know, the movie Spotlight or she said the Harvey Weinstein's case, a lot of people in power who sexually assault and abuse people have mm -hmm. all the power to brainwash you and mm -hmm. then just say like you um mentioned earlier that if you tell somebody that it's gonna get worse and then yeah. i i think it is just the worst feeling of the world mm -hmm. i was called traitor i was called um ungrateful when i was getting sexually abused and then physically abused because my father was a town official and then he went around and manipulated all the teachers. Mm -hmm. So I had no ally to my yep. story. So that's that makes it very hard. And then on top of it, you don't understand what's going on. So tell me about teenage life. You kind of mentioned a little bit earlier mm -hmm. about like mm -hmm. some struggles when you're mm -hmm. in. What was yeah. it like uh, if you can explain a little bit more details? So it ended when I was around 12. So my teenage years were filled with anger, just pure anger. People would be kind to me and I would lash out. You know, they'd say, oh, you know, you, you start the new school year. Oh, let's make friends with our classmates and stuff. Get to know everybody who's in your classes and all. And I would just be like, mm -mm, no, absolutely not. You're not going to get to know me. And I don't want to know you. And there was 
because I didn't know how to process what was going on, it came out of me in anger. And I was, I, in some ways you could say, oh, you know, I was so cruel to people and stuff, but I just cut people out of my life. I would not allow them to even come get close to me, to even know me. So I had just a couple of friends throughout school and it just kept manifesting in more and more. And then in my later teens, it was like, okay, now I'm going to dabble in this other stuff. Now I've got freedom because I can drive, you know, and I can go out and do some different things. So I dabbled in, in, in drugs at one point. I, you know, started drinking and I was like, I don't even like this stuff. Why am I doing this? And it was just to mask all of everything that was going on because I, I wasn't processing the emotions. And it was just and nightmares the constant nightmares, waking up with that scream that's caught in my throat and only thing that comes out is air because it's like you're, it's like you're almost hyperventilating and there's nothing that comes out because it goes back to that intimidation of be quiet. So even the screams wouldn't come out. Um, I would sleepwalk and I would just, I'd, I'd wake up all of a sudden, I'm like, why am I wearing like four and five layers of clothing? when I went to bed in my pajamas. So it was like things like that were indications that there was something going on, but it never clicked for me as to what the real underlying cause of all of this was. So I just, I continued to withdraw. I would push people away. I would not let people get to know me because, you know, it was like, you can do whatever you want to my body. I don't care, but you're never going to get to know my soul. And that's something I used to say, like late in my 20s, into my, in, in my early 20s, in my late teens, you're never going to get to know me because that's a part of me that I could keep to myself. I can so relate about nightmares. I mm -hmm. had so many nightmares in my adult life, even where I was screaming in my yep. dream. And my first husband used to tell me, Julia, you okay? You're shrieking in yeah. my dream and it just like sometimes my nightmares like my father is chasing after me and just like a figures and just like subconsciously replaying all this sexual abuse mm -hmm. when I was sleeping it's gotten better over the years but um I can totally relate about the teenage life. I had no idea. And then um, even adult life, like I suffer so, so much because um, I just didn't understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about some of the struggles that you may have in like adult life uh, mm -hmm. after you suffered with the child sex abuse. And I'm extremely sorry that happened to you in as unfortunately a fellow survivor just to let audience know that it's probably one of the worst things that you could experience as a child mm -hmm. it's never be okay but um i just want to say that to you and then also i really want to thank you for coming forward and then having this open conversation with me today. Mm -hmm. So would you explain how this childhood is affecting lifelong impact that you may have suffered 
in after teenage era? Yeah, so before I began my healing process, um, it like I said, like at work, it would manifest at work. You know, like I could excel and intellectually, I could do everything really well, but I always had challenges making connections with people because there was that underlying thing, like they're going to get to know me and they're going to find out what happened to me. And if they find out what happened to me, they're going to judge me. So if they know what happened to me back then, then I'm not going to get the promotion or I'm not going to get this new job. So I can't let anybody know. So when you're walking around like that, it's like people get a feeling. They don't know what it is, but they're like, you're hiding something. And we don't know what it is. So there isn't an ability to connect with people for people to actually get to know you and for you to actually get to know them. So I've missed out on all of that because of it. Um, You know, and when it happens when you're young, And at any time when you experience trauma, it gets locked in your body. It gets locked in your subconscious mind. And when you're a kid and you don't know how to process the emotions that you're feeling, you kind of get locked and stuck in that. And that carries forward with you. So that was that, you know, I wouldn't have long-term relationships for many, many years when I started dating. Nope. mm -mm, You can do what you want. I don't care. You can, you know, don't care what you do, but you're never going to get to know me. And that was the underlying thing that was a result of all of that. So I missed out on, you know, having loving relationships and allowing people to know the true me and allowing myself to love them because I was still stuck in that, that this could possibly happen again. Like when you're waking up in nightmares and you're afraid that someone's going to crawl into your bed, like they did when you were nine, 10 years old you certainly don't sleep peacefully through the night. You're on edge all the time. You hear a sound and you're up and you're awake. So if it's not the nightmare that's waking you up, it's something else that could be waking you up. And you never have, like, I didn't know what true deep sleep was until I was probably late into my 30s. To be able to lay down at night, knowing I'm going to have a good restful night's sleep, sleep calmly and peacefully through the night, I missed out on all that. And, you know, in the early years of my life, because things happen in the middle of the night, things happen during the day, you know, you go walking into a store and you hear a voice that sounds familiar and you, you crunch and you twinge and you jump because it's like, oh my God, is he here? And as a result of all that, before I was able to figure things out for myself and start the healing, I had irritable bowel syndrome. So my, you know, the people I knew at work were like, oh my gosh, you go through a bottle of Tums a day. I said, yes, because there's so much angst in everything that my abdomen is, whenever stress hit, it would just twist and twist in your tent, like your whole abdominal system is curling and twisting and the whole abdomen just swells and it's extremely painful. So I was chewing on Tums all day long, every single day. I would have migraines that just took me out took me out. If there's something like, if it was a a stressful moment at work, like, oh, you have to, you're the one running the meeting today. Like what? I'm going to be in the spotlight. No, 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 no. (laughs) Not because I'm shy because of all this other stuff. Like when you're in the spotlight and you do well, that's when bad things happen. So I sabotaged success repeatedly and repeatedly because if I did well, that's when the things happened. So I didn't want that to happen. So instead I would, I would crash right before I hit that pinnacle of success. 
And I did that throughout my teens, my 20s. Like it, it went on for many years until I figured it out. Well, thank you so much for explaining. Um, it's very heartbreaking. And again, it's very unknown and it's not, again, talked about too much. And then a lot of victims of child sex abuse are obviously afraid to come forward and talk mm -hmm. about it. But a lot of people I heard and know um, falling to addiction, mm -hmm. many different ways and um first of all to be able to identify what happened and then um even when you are in the middle of the relationship like you said short-term relationship mm -hmm. i've had that same problems throughout my dating experiences and it's just like yeah. you said like when they start to get to know you you mm -hmm. just kick them out from your life cut and run done <laughs> you get yeah. too close <laughs> yeah same as friend not just yeah. dating but friend mm -hmm. um so it's very interesting that nowadays you have this social media that you get to know people sometimes and it's easy to block people and they cut them out and block mm -hmm. them on the phone stuff but Back in the day when you don't have the social media, when you didn't have the social media, it was more like it was harder to cut people off sometimes. But um, I really appreciate you coming forward and explaining the long-term life effect from mm -hmm. the toxic abuse, which is really not talked about. So Heather, let's shift yeah. to the second question, which is, um, my favorite part of the podcast so far, and I have over 100 episodes and guests are from all over the world. The reason why I love this question is a lot of times, like you and I, who went through significant trauma that was mm -hmm. not understood and talked about, people would judge you when you, when you open up and then say, okay, just forgive and forget. And that's not how it works. And I really love this part of the podcast because 100% of my guests went through the adversities and then they shared so much in-depth insight and then tools that worked for them after trial and error. So Heather, what are the tools that you used to overcome child sex abuse and your trauma? Yeah. So when I finally figured it out and sought to work on resolving this, um, I went to talk therapy. I went to group therapy. I tried many of the traditional paths, read all the books, and I felt like it was keeping me in survival mode. And I didn't like, for me personally, the survivor identity didn't fit because that wasn't who I saw myself being. So I, I was challenged because I kept try. I went, went to a number of different therapists. I tried a number of different groups. I connected with some different people and I wasn't finding something that was allowing me to feel like I was making progress until one day I was actually at a, uh, a real estate seminar sitting all the way in the back of the room, of course, because we don't want to be seen. <laughs> and the man on stage was talking about forgiveness 
And the way he explained it hit me differently because it's not about forgetting. It's something that we get to do for ourselves. And there's three people to forgive. So the obvious one that everyone talks about is the person who offended you because you're carrying a grievance. The second is the people who may have known or wondered or questioned. And the third is to forgive yourself. And when he said that, I just tears streamed down my face because I was like, I never even considered forgiving myself. I felt like I had to continue to carry this burden. And for me, forgiveness became a tool to be able to release that burden and to let go of the grievance because it broke the connection between me and the abuser. Because it was like, okay, everything's done. I'm no longer connected to this. I actually went through the forgiveness process to forgive the person who did the act of the abuse because I said, I'm going to release it and let it go this way. And then there's, you know, others around like who might've wondered or questioned and, and didn't ask me, or I didn't speak to them. I found forgiveness for them as well, because there's nothing they, they didn't know. And I have, I carry zero blame for anybody. So I went through the forgiveness process for everybody that was what we call the witnesses or the second party. And then when it came time to process forgiving myself, to me, that was the most challenging because I, I said, okay, I'm going to forgive everything that came as a result of it. So I had to forgive myself for being an angry teenager and lashing out at these people who just wanted to get to know me. I had to forgive myself and I looked into forgiving myself for choosing to put myself in situations that were not healthy for me and choosing to bury it because that's all I knew how to do at the time. And once I went through that forgiveness process and the process of forgiving and, and forgiving the abuser, the witnesses and myself, that's when I felt so much relief because I no longer felt an emotional connection to it. And that's what the forgiveness did for me. It broke that emotional connection to the events. So I stopped reliving it. The nightmare stopped. The irritable bowel syndrome stopped. The migraines became much more infrequent. And I was actually to figure out and feel at peace. And it, and I, I was so thrilled with what I had been able to do up to that point. And I knew there was one little thing left. I was like, gosh, there's just like, it feels like there's a little something there that's still impacting success. It's still getting in the way because I still see self-sabotage coming up. And I sought out hypnosis. And I was first exposed to hypnosis at another seminar. And the man on stage was a hypnotist and he talked about it for business purposes. And I was so interested in how hypnosis works and what I could see the change in terms of goals and, and finances and things like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to seek out someone to work with one-on-one -on -one who can walk me through this. And when I went to meet with her, I had two sessions with her. And the second session, she's like, okay, you've made a lot of progress. It's been about a week since the first she gave me a tool to use for the following year. It was a bracelet and there were certain things I had to say to keep reminding me of the future and what I'm doing to break that connection, the emotional connection to it fully. And 
the second session, she's like, you know, do you want to go back there? And I said, you know what? I have reached a point where I will do anything because I'm done with this controlling any part of my life. So she put me in, in the state of trance and she took me all the way back there and went through specific moments. And I relived those and like the tears streaming down the face and I could feel the pain as if I was that nine-year-old child, as if I was eight years old and it was happening for the first time. And what she did through the rest of the session with her hypnotic processes and the tools that she used, it broke that connection. And I walked out of her office from that day and I've never felt a poor emotional connection, a negative emotional connection to that again. Now I can re remember it and I've never relived it since that day. And that was like, oh my gosh, amazing for me. It was like, I, I didn't even think it was possible until it actually happened. Talk to me about these changes that you happened. How did these experiences of tools and healing that you apply like, mm -hmm. completely change of how you are living today? So today, like I can speak about it today. People wouldn't recognize me because I used to be the quiet kid in the corner, wouldn't say a thing, wouldn't open my mouth. I would never raise my hand. If you, if the teacher raised, you know, called on me when I didn't even have my hand raised, because, you know, sometimes they want us to participate. It was like, I would be shaking and shivering and just, it was, it was the worst thing that could happen to me to be put in the spotlight. And today here I am speaking to you live streaming, you know, for all the world to see. And, and even in the summit where I'm connecting to all these amazing women and sharing their stories and sharing my story and, and just being curious about who they are and what they do and, and connecting with them in a way that I never did when I was experiencing that. I never did that before I began my healing journey. It was like, you know, no, don't get to know me. And now it's like, I'm open. I'm open and I'm looking, you know, I'm always looking to see the good in people, to connect with them. You know, I, I don't walk around like, oh my gosh, you know, somebody's going to hurt me physically or emotionally because I know that I've, I've built that, I've got that resilience and I've built up that strength that I'm okay. Even if someone says something negative to me, that's okay because I'm not going to take it personally. So it's, I'm a complete, like people don't recognize like you're out talking in public. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I'm planning on getting on stages too and speaking in the room with thousands of people. That's my goal from the kid who was in the room, like in the farthest court desk in the back of the room, trying to hide and not be called on for a question that I knew the answer to. Complete shift, completely different person. I am really grateful that you came forward and be on my podcast because as a survivor myself, I definitely questioned, first of all, mm -hmm. writing a book about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I'm very happy. Well, I'm not happy that happened, but I'm very proud that I published the book. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud that I was able to create this platform 
because for instance now you and i get to connect for the past 35 minutes or 40 minutes or so mm -hmm. and it also the um for the victims survivors of the child sex abuse out there mm -hmm. now they know what happened what are the tools and i um not just focusing on the victims but people around or adults like myself can see that it's wrong and mm -hmm. the long-term effect of it and there are darkness to light number two light um where you can get trained and certified to prevent child sex abuse mm -hmm. so for I just want to share quickly the town of Foxborough I live when you are employed in the town of Foxborough as a bill as a bylaw of our new town rule when you are employed within a certain time that you need to complete darkness to light training and then present that I work with youth through the Foxborough Cable Access, and then they asked to do this certification. It was Darkness to Light website. I think it was $25. As a survivor myself, I'm like questioning why did I have to do that? But when I did the training, it really opened my eyes. For instance, one episode of manipulation mm -hmm. of balancing the child who a victim, uh, one of it, it was my dad ate my cookie because people don't understand the general area has like kind of like a shy shame taboo but mm -hmm. you understand this is penis this is vagina so that prevents a lot of child sex abuse because when they have bad touch and good touch and wear and if people can describe this is nose this is mouth this is vagina this is penis and then these are the words medical terms that people should know even if it's a child. And that's mm -hmm. the education that we are trying to promote and then prevent. But then the signs and also the prevention is that we have a strict policy. If the minor is in a building, you have to have two adults in the building. Mm -hmm. Eyesight, or if you're a baseball coach, you cannot give a ride to a child without um, having another child in the back or adult. So you cannot have one-on-one -on -one time mm -hmm. if it's not an immediate family member. So those are a uh, cultural shift in terms yeah. of preventing the child sex abuse. And it's available. And then they're trying to put it as a state level because this, as a journalist myself, there's so many child sex abuse happens. Teachers, leaders, parents, relatives, aunt, uncles, like they take advantage of you. And I see so many news and then so many town reached out to our town leaders. How did you do that? Mm -hmm. Because we had this terrible example of Bill Sheehan. So they are trying to go to the state house. We even had a child sex abuse awareness committee meeting where the politician came, state rep and congressman came. And we are trying to pass this bill and they co-sponsor other senators and then House Representative to pass the statewide law to mandate this darkness light training. So I don't know what's going on with Wyoming, but mm -hmm. um, 
I feel like those talks need to be talked about in the leadership and so many things that can prevent this to happen because the importance is Heather, the event that happened to you affected you for mm-hmm. way longer than that period that you were abused. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People don't know that. Yeah, and it's so important that you have brought this into Foxborough there in Massachusetts to bring this into place and bring the light to it because you're you're helping so many kids even if they're aware, like, you know, if, if it starts, then they recognize it. And so, or an adult who went through this training can recognize the symptoms and the shift in that child, because you know that there's a moment when that kid stops being the kid they were six months ago, a year ago. And what's the cause of that? And unfortunately, many times, it's because there is some sort of abuse happening. There's something going on and the people who were able to step in and and question and be there for that child as a support and reach out to them are so valuable. Absolutely. Well, Heather, thank you so much for the education, openness. And I'm very happy that these events, um, the tools that you mentioned, happened to you at some point of your life and be able to come forward and share the story. So my last question is, what's the gift that came from your adversity? The gift is that I actually got to discover myself. I got to discover the strength within. I got to discover what resilience is. And I got to discover gratitude because gratitude for everything that happened because it made me who I am today. It all came together to allow me to be the person that is here having this conversation with you today, to do it in a way that yes, we speak up and we share what's happened to us because it's going to help somebody else. It's going to inspire somebody else to seek their healing journey, to step forth, to know that it is possible because when you're in it, it can feel like there's no possibility at all. It's like, oh, that 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 can they can have that kind of life, but it's not going to happen for me. And Jury and I are here as examples that you can live out your life. You can heal and choose to make a difference in the world. And that's that's the gift is that yes, that happened to me and I believe it happened for a reason. It happens so that I can step out and publicly inspire others to heal themselves, to step on and take that healing journey and, and do whatever works for you in the process of healing. Try, do everything and see what works for you. Don't stop. Don't ever stop until you find what works for you and then continue it because healing is a lifelong experience. We get to continue to heal. We reach certain levels and then we feel good and all. And then you, you're like, oh, I'm going to go for this other new thing. And as you go for something new, there's something else that's going to pop up and you're going you're gonna to recognize it quicker so that you can heal it quicker so that you don't have years and years of your life like I did. It was, it was almost 12, 13 years before, after it stopped, before I started to even seek help 
And it took many years after that before I felt like I was actually healing and doing really well. And my life started to shift. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to shorten that and say, oh my gosh, I can recognize it quickly. I can recognize it quickly. And there's all these possibilities out there for me to get help because what's on the other side of it, I can't even just, it just overwhelms me sometimes because I never would have thought this life was possible for me back then. Never. I never would have imagined it. It was just like, I want to stop getting migraines all the time. I want to stop having nightmares. I want to stop sleepwalking and finding myself in clothes that I didn't even know were in the closet. <laughs> and to, and today, it's just incredible to be able to say, wow, it's all been worth it because I get to share this with you, Jury, and with your audience. It's so worth it to take the healing journey and to, and to recognize that you are worthy of healing. You deserve to feel safe within your body and your environment, and you deserve to love yourself, every single bit of yourself, and you get to deserve to be loved as well. Well, thank you very much, Heather, for coming to A Gift from Adversity tonight. Thank you so much, Jerry. I really appreciate you inviting me on. It's been, it's been absolutely amazing. And I, I thank you so much for writing your book and for putting this out in the world and, and having the courage and the strength to bring change to Foxborough and to your state. And it's just this ripple effect that is, is crossing around the world because of the actions that you're taking. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, I want to discredit discredit myself from the town of Foxborough because they did it. And then I mm -hmm. came as a journalist, but I actually been to the child sexual abuse awareness committee mm -hmm. and I appreciated them so much. And I reassured them that they are preventing this mm -hmm. to happen. And it's yeah. really too late. When it happens, it messes up your life. Yep. So it's the best that as a responsible adults that we identify like you said and mm -hmm. then so we don't have to take this healing journey we don't have to suffer you didn't have to suffer if there were enough responsible adults looking out for you and your safety mm -hmm. i think this conversation is extremely important and i really appreciate you and i want to leave with you and our audience my favorite mantra that mm -hmm. might help you which is, I am the love that I seek. Yes, absolutely. We are all the love we seek. Thank you so much, Jerry. That's beautiful. Wonderful. Well, thank you to our audience for coming into A Gift from Adversity and then tuning in. And we'll have more shows coming up. Thank you again.